Welcome back, everybody, on a very special Friday edition of the Crowd Noise Podcast. Exactly one year to the day was our very first Crowd Noise episode. And I am asking you, I'm actually begging you, for the love of God and all things that are holy, do not go back and listen to that first episode or the first 15 episodes of the Crowd Noise Podcast. They are horrendous. They are absolutely horrendous. But we have gotten better. We have made strides in the previous calendar year. Not many strides, but strides nonetheless. And looking forward into year two, we will no doubt make even more strides and get even better. And what better time to have our one-year anniversary? We didn't plan this out a year ago. Just, I mean, completely luck, really. Um, What better time to have our one-year anniversary than the day before week one of college football? It's the first Saturday with college football. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. We had uh, we had football uh, last Saturday, Miami and Florida. Great game, entertaining game. It wasn't a high quality game. Uh, it was really terrible football if you're if you're a football purist. But it was an entertaining game nonetheless. But tomorrow, I mean, it's week one. It's officially, officially, say it one more time, officially back times three. Uh, we have plenty of games tomorrow, and we're gonna be picking games. First time all year. We're going to be keeping track of our record this year. I'm not just going to make these picks blindly and willy-nilly. We're actually going to hold myself accountable this year. Uh, So we have our three games that we're going to be picking. Uh, Keeping my promise from last week, we will be picking our college football playoff and our college football national champion. Um, Essentially, it's just we're picking one spot. Because really, two teams... Alabama and Clemson, should they win their conference, and maybe even if they don't win their conference, they're getting in. And Ohio State, who I feel will win the Big Ten, if they do that, if they win the Big Ten, they're in. So that leaves one spot. And really, that makes it more entertaining. You might be thinking, Why, how is this going to be any fun? You're only picking one spot. That actually makes it more entertaining because it's actually more challenging. There's like five teams that are all fighting for that one spot, uh, things could get really messy, especially if teams have one or two losses and teams have beaten each other or they lost to a team that another team beat, but they beat that other team. Things are going to get crazy. That one spot is gonna, probably going to take us two and a half hours just to debate who gets in. So that'll be tons of fun. Um, so here we go. On to year two. We have our, our terrible homemade uh, crowd noise stickers. They are god-awful. You can... Uh, um, Venmo me. They are $650 a piece. Um, they're, like I said, they're, it's high quality uh, material. You know, it's, it's, it's homemade stuff. Um, so they are $650 per sticker. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the design is. Uh, even though you, I, you know, you're paying $650, you might want to know what you're paying for. You do know what you're paying for. It's a sticker. Uh, and the design, the reason I'm not telling you what the design is, because it's a super secret surprise. I'm not going to spoil it. Once you get the sticker, of course, after um, your payment, your installment of $650, uh, you will receive the sticker. I, I am sure that you will not be disappointed in the design. I designed it myself. Uh, so, yeah, I think it'll be a, a great investment. If you have $650 just lying around, I think it's well worth, you know, one homemade sticker that I made in less than half an hour. So there's that. 
we were we're selling stickers now for our one year anniversary. Next year, there are rumors that there may be a wristband, a crowd noise wristband that will go for roughly six hundred and fifty thousand dollars because you're talking about going from a sticker to a wristband. That's a big move. That's a big jump. Everybody knows once you start selling wristbands, your podcast has made it. So going into year two, uh, you know you really need to start pulling out some mortgages on your home if you want that $650,000 crowd noise wristband. I can guarantee you'll be the only person in your neighborhood with that wristband. So not only is it high quality, it's also extremely rare. So you have that to look forward to uh, next August 30th, uh, 2020. So we have that to look forward to. Let's go ahead and get into our picks. This should be, this should be the easiest week for me to pick games. It's week one. Teams are playing cupcakes. Um, there's not really any. There's one marquee game, and of course, we're picking that game. There's no way we're we're dodging bullets here. Um, but for the most part, these aren't really blockbuster games. I think Alabama plays. Let me see who they play. They play. They play Duke. Is who they play. They are an FBS team, but they are not a powerhouse to say the least in college football okay they're not very good um so this should be the easiest week for me to pick games and yet i get the taste that i'm probably going to go 0 for 3 to start off the season to start off year two of the crowd noise podcast i get the taste that we are going to start the season 0 for 3 and you could say well you're just terrible at picking games I say I pick the hardest games possible. I could pick Alabama and Duke. How easy would that be? Guess what? Alabama wins. That's no fun. I could get really cheap and pick last night's Clemson game and say, spoiler alert, Clemson wins. That's not fun. I'm going to challenge myself. For you, the listener, going into year two. We're not taking any days off here anymore. Anymore. We're going to challenge ourselves and pick what I feel are maybe the most competitive and maybe the most balanced games this weekend. And even still, these games may be lopsided. They might be blowouts because it's week one. This is the best of what we have to work with. You do with what you have. When life gives you lemons, you have more lemons than what you had before life gave you. So we, here we go. I'm going to pick the first, uh, the unranked game first which actually may be the most balanced. I'm going to save the marquee game for last because it's the most exciting and the most fun and honestly the most important as far as the college football play. It's only week one, but every game matters. So the first one we're doing, USC Fresno State. That is a 7.30 p.m. local game or local time being Pacific time. They play Fresno State in the Coliseum do the USC Trojans. This is no pushover for USC. Fresno State was the best group of five team in the country last year. And USC was mediocre at best. They were not very good last year. I don't expect them to be very good this year, quite frankly. So this is not a give me. This is not a, a gimme game. This is not Alabama Duke. The, uh, Fresno State could very, I'm not going to say easily, very realistically, go into the Coliseum and 
upset USC right out of the gates. Could very easily happen. Or rather, very realistically happen. I, I can see Fresno State going into the Coliseum and upsetting USC. However, I don't think that will happen. I don't really put a lot of faith in... Look, I'm not a Clay Helton... I'm not the biggest Clay Helton fan in the world. But they should be able to take care of business. Fresno State is a good team, yes. Do they have the talent of USC? Not by a long shot. And a lot of schools don't. That's what's most frustrating about USC football. They are one amongst the most talented teams in the nation annually. They consistently have one of the top to bottom amongst the most talented rosters in the nation. And yet, Clay Helton has one Pac-12 title under his belt. And USC has one Pac-12 title since the Pac-10 the Pac expanded into the Pac-12. It's true. Since the Pac-10 Expanded into the Pac-12. They added Colorado. They added Utah. USC has only won the conference one time. Which is why I'm not very bullish on the Trojans this year winning the Pac-12. Especially when you have teams like Washington and Oregon. And in the South, you have Utah. And even UCLA, who I gassed up last week. And they looked like a sideshow last night against uh, Cincinnati. They were not making me look very smart. Uh, were the UCLA Bruins. I'm pretty upset about that. But I do think they will improve over the course of the season. Especially by the time they play USC, you know, way way down the road in November, they're going to be a much different team. JT Daniels is coming back, or comes back. Amon Ra comes back. Uh, Michael Pittman comes back. USC is going to be an offensive team. They bring in Graham Harrell from North Texas. They want to be an air raid offense. They tried bringing in Cliff Kingsbury. He was there for 15 minutes and said, thanks, but no thanks. I'd rather go flame out in the NFL for 15 minutes. They want to move in an offensive direction. I don't think they're going to have an inability to score right out of the gates. They're going to have some trick plays up their sleeve. They're going to be ready to score. It's a night game. It is a Pac-12 after dark game um, for whatever that means. So I do think, I think USC is going to be ready to win this game. Um, do I think that's going to translate into them necessarily winning the conference? No, I don't. Do I think it's going to necessarily translate to them reaching a bowl game this year? No, not necessarily. Um, in that case, if USC were to miss a bowl game for two straight seasons, Clay Helton is all but fired. I mean, he has to be removed. There's no way that at a school, a blue blood uh, school like USC, you can go two straight years missing a bowl game and retain your job. So if that were to happen, I think it, that goes without saying Clay Helton is fired if they don't make another bowl. And really, that what has USC come to? To that the standard is now make a bowl game. That should tell you about the state of USC football right now. We're talking about them making a bowl game. So I mean, I, there, there's really not much to look forward to. If you're a USC fan, uh, you're going to win this Saturday, though. So I guess you, I mean, in, in the meantime, you have something to look forward to. In the long run, things aren't looking so great. So on to our next game now. That's USC. Uh, I don't have a score for you because I am rather unprepared for this week. A great start for year two for the Crowd Noise podcast. Second game. This one may be the easiest game to pick, but yet still competitive, so to speak. Number four, Oklahoma against Houston. Oklahoma. Said Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma gets Houston week one. Again, not a pushover, but still a relatively competitive game. I think there's going to be some kinks to be worked out with Oklahoma or Oklahoma. Um, with Jalen Hurts just being his first year in a brand new offense, I don't think it's going to be as seamless as everyone is making it out to be. Yes, Lincoln Riley made Heisman Trophy winners of both Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. But my argument to that, and so people are saying, well, Jalen Hurts is another great runner. He's coming from a blue blood um, organiz- not organization, uh, school like Alabama. He's now going to Oklahoma. He gets Lincoln Riley, this quarterback guru. How could they not be successful this year? Well, my argument to that is that Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray are phenomenal throwers of the football. Some of the most accurate passers that we've seen in the last 10 years, the last 20 years, maybe in college football history. Baker Mayfield specifically. I mean, he, he, he can spin it. I love watching Baker Mayfield play. He's a fantastic player. Kyler Murray, I'm not so high on him in the NFL, but he was a fantastic college player. I will give him that much. He was also a great thrower in college football. They both had accuracy in their arsenal. And that was the reason that Jalen Hurts lost the starting job in the first place. He was not a great passer. He was not very accurate when he did pass. He was dangerous um, on his feet, but he does not have the speed or the elusiveness of Kyler Murray and maybe even really Baker Mayfield. Jalen Hurts is just a great runner. He's a willing runner, but he does not have the athleticism, I feel, of Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray can fly, okay? He can create. He can throw the ball. It translated to him uh, winning the Heisman Trophy last year. And Baker Mayfield, while he wasn't as uh, athletic as Kyler Murray, I feel he was a, a better passer than Kyler Murray, translating to him winning the Heisman Trophy winner. So Lincoln Riley, I'm not taking anything away from him. I think he's a fantastic coach, a fantastic offensive mind. He had, a great, he had a great two years. He had two great players in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. I don't think Jalen Hurts is on the same tier as Baker or Kyler. I really don't, um, especially specifically as a passer. And I think we're going to start to see um, the consequences of that over the course of the season. Um, Oklahoma is going to win this week because they are the better team. They have the better, they're the better coach team. Uh, it will be competitive. But I do think we're going to see some rust. I do think it'll be a close game. Um, Oklahoma may get a touchdown or two in garbage time um, and win this game by 14, 17, something like that. But I do think it'll be a closer played game than what the scoreboard uh, will suggest. I do like Oklahoma to win the game. But over the course of the season, I'm going to pay very close attention to Jalen Hurts uh, and his ability to throw the football specifically. We know he can run. We know he can, quote-unquote, manage a game and lead a team can he make the big throws can he make the big plays downfield that Oklahoma has become dependent on over the past two years with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield that is yet to be seen and the final game that we are picking uh for this week it's the biggest game of the weekend number 11 Oregon and number 16 Auburn uh correction from last week it is not in Auburn though Auburn is listed as the home team they're playing in Arlington uh, it used to be the Cowboys Classic. Now it's 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 some other sponsored nonsense. I don't even know what it is. It's like the Goodyear 
Cup or some some stupid like that. But it is uh, they are playing it in a Cowboy Stadium. It's the same game, just a new sponsor, I guess. Oregon and Auburn. Uh, Auburn's actually favored in this game. You're a three and a half point uh, favorite, which uh, I guess is a reverse split a little bit because they are the lower ranked team from the Oregon Ducks. But I get it. There is the East Coast bias. There's the Southern bias. Um, you know, Auburn just playing in the SEC and uh, Oregon playing in the Pac-12, which quite frankly, like I have said, they've been an embarrassment to college sports as a conference over the past three years. In not just football, I'm talking about basketball as well. They were god-awful Where uh, was the Pac-12 last year. Terrible. So I understand why Auburn is favored in this game. I'm going to pick the Oregon Ducks to win this, which is actually, it's... Considered an upset statistically based on the spread because Oregon is the underdog, so picking uh, Oregon is an upset, though I, though I don't think so. They have the best player in this game in Justin Herbert. They have the biggest star on the field. I think he takes over. I think he's the difference in this game. Auburn is missing Jared Stidham, their quarterback from last year. That means a lot. I just think when you have a quarterback who's been on these big stages, and granted, this is the biggest game in Justin Herbert's young career, but he has game experience as a starter. And he had uh, big games last year playing against Stanford, playing against Washington. Um, These weren't national caliber games like he's getting tomorrow. But they were big games nonetheless against respectable opponents. Um, Washington was in the Rose Bowl last year. They got pounded, but they were in the Rose Bowl last year. Um, I like Justin Herbert to take over this game. I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. Watched him last year. He's tons of fun. He's like diet Trevor Lawrence, really. Uh, He can move with his legs. He can throw the ball downfield, though he's not as consistent as Trevor Lawrence. I mean, though Trevor Lawrence kind of struggled last night. First game of the season, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, He's he's diet Trevor Lawrence is what he is, which is still really good. Trevor Lawrence is a great player. I like Justin Herbert um, a lot. I like him a little bit less than Trevor Lawrence, but I think he's good enough to get the job done here. This is a different Oregon team than what we've seen over the course of the years. They're not the pure speed, athleticism, punt returning, like kind of finesse football team. This is a physical football team, which is something that you don't really um, attach the Oregon name with. And you can blame Chip Kelly, and I use the word blame. I mean, those teams that he had with Mariota were phenomenal teams. But you can blame uh, Chip Kelly, for lack of a better word, for giving that reputation to Oregon, being all about speed, being all about finesse. Mario Cristobal has changed the identity of Oregon football. They are now a physical team, which is something you don't just hear about Oregon. You don't hear about teams really coming from the Pac-12. And I think Oregon will physically be able to handle Auburn. And when I say handle, I don't mean that they're going to be able to dominate Auburn, but they won't be surprised. And I don't I don't think they're going to get punched in the mouth and physically moved by Auburn tomorrow. Uh, I do think Oregon will be able to go toe-to-toe with Auburn physically. And then Justin Herbert's star power, his ability is just going to take over the game. I think it's going to put them over the top. I like Oregon tomorrow. I think they're the better team. Do I think they'll win the Pac-12? No, not necessarily. Um, But I do think they'll be good enough to get a W right out of the gate week one. And this is a big game for the Pac-12. If Oregon loses tomorrow... It is all but guaranteed the Pac-12 is not getting into the playoff. Because what you're saying, if you do believe that Oregon, or anyone else for that matter, is getting getting into the playoff uh, from the Pac-12, what you're saying is Oregon is going to run the table from week two 
on. And that is one of the hardest things to do in college football. If you're going to have that loss, ideally you want it week five, six, or seven in the middle. So that way you've had time to adjust your team from week one and you have time after that loss to erase the memory of the committee by adding resume wins, by adding uh, a conference title to your resume. You don't want to get a week one because it's way too early and you have to win way too many games after that. So if Oregon loses tomorrow, the Pac-12 is done. It's going to open things up for a second Big Ten team. You know, you might get a, uh, the two-way, the tandem Ohio State and Michigan. It's going to open the door for a second um, SEC team, perhaps Georgia, perhaps LSU, a second Big 12 team. You might get um, Texas and Oklahoma in uh, the playoffs. So everyone is rooting against Oregon tomorrow because no one really believes that they have a chance to make it into the playoff anyway. I think Oregon is good enough. They have enough talent and they are strong enough to handle Auburn. I think they win tomorrow. Um, so there's, I guess you're, and it's not even really an upset because they are the higher ranked team. In my book, this is, should not be considered an upset, but it is technically an upset based on the spread. So there's, there are your three picks to start year two of the Crowd Noise podcast. We got USC, Oklahoma, and Oregon all winning tomorrow afternoon into tomorrow night. So we have that to look forward to. So now on to what we promised and what we've been leading into for the past like two or three weeks we've been alluding to college football coming back, the NFL coming back, and of course our preseason picks to get to the playoff, win the national title, and in the NFL, which we'll have next week, when divisions get into the playoffs, win the Super Bowl, all that all that cheese. Uh, it's finally here. We're finally going to get to our college football playoff predictions um, and our national champion. And we've been alluding to this for weeks now. So it is all but guaranteed that this will... This will be an underwhelming and disappointing segment, only because I've been talking about it for weeks on end, and it's really three out of the four teams, and maybe four out of the four teams you pretty much expected I was going to pick anyway. So, um, yeah. Have, what else? How more fitting could it be in year going into year two that the Crowd Noise podcast would disappoint you? It, we have to stay on brand. While we are evolving and getting better, we have to stick to our roots and continue to disappoint people. So here we go. The first three teams, shoe-ins. This is, I mean, these are easy. And really the first two, I mean, are, these are the easiest picks I'm going to make my whole uh, broadcasting career. Alabama and Clemson, they're getting in. I don't care what order. Um, Clemson is looking to be the first team since Pete Carroll's USC team to go wire to wire. Number one to start the season and number one to finish it with a national title. They're looking, they, no one's done it since Pete Carroll's uh, USC team. I think that was 2004 because the 2000. Five team was the Rose Bowl team that lost to Vince Young um, in what is the greatest football game that has ever been played. They would be the first team to go wire to wire since that team, the 2004 USC team. No one's done it since then. Do they need to go wire to wire? No, not necessarily. Will they go wire to wire? Probably only because, and here's why I'll say it, because their schedule is easy. That's it. For lack of a better word, their schedule is just flat out easy. The ACC is not a very good conference, as I said last week. Um, they're not going to get the competition that Alabama's going to get. And Alabama's schedule, I mean, they're notorious for having, you know, I mean, 
terrible non-conference schedule. They play Duke this week, does Alabama, and then next week they get the world beaters, NMSU Aggies. I cannot wait. And I, honestly, I'm going to get personal here for a little bit. I hope Alabama beats NMSU by 700 points. I cannot wait to watch that that just shellacking. And I hope it's on TV, and it might be so overlooked that the game's not even on TV. I, TV, I hope it is. I want to see Alabama beat NMSU by 7,000 points. I, I can't wait. But it's not a very good game as far as building resumes. And Clemson has similar games. to They don't play anyone nearly as bad as NMSU, but they do have a very easy schedule playing in the ACC. That's just the hand they've been dealt. But again, I don't hold that against them because they're still the best team in the country. I don't think that's going to hurt their resume or hurt their seeding. They will likely go wire to wire in the sense that they'll start number one in the preseason and they'll likely go into the playoff being that number one seed, uh, Alabama probably being number two. Hopefully they're on the opposite ends of the bracket, um, barring you know an ugly loss by Alabama or Clemson or something like that. Because uh, we want to see these teams in the national title. We want to see the two best teams play on the world's big stage. Uh, number three, Ohio State. I feel like if, if Ohio State wins their conference, they're getting in. I mean, there's really, because that means they would have to have beaten Ohio State, or excuse me, uh, they'd have to have beaten Penn State, and then have to have beaten Michigan um, maybe twice, uh, play, um, excuse me. Depending on who they play in that conference title game, they could have beaten Michigan two times in one season. So uh, if they win their conference, they're getting in. There's there's really no argument. The only reason they're not any higher is because, again, the committee is going to – it's all a business. They're going to want to see Ohio, um, Clemson and Alabama on opposite ends of the bracket. So they'll be number three, but they'll be very comfortably in. They'll, they'll be in the playoffs. So that leaves a handful of other teams. Who, does, who gets in that fourth spot, Stephen? Well, I'll tell you. Um, that leaves Texas, Georgia, Oklahoma, Michigan, and Notre Dame. That's five teams all fighting for one playoff spot. So who gets in? Well, it depends on a number of things. This is why it makes, I think, college football, even though you're only picking four teams to get into the playoff, get into the postseason, it is the hardest sport, I feel personally, to pick in the preseason because there is just madness that ensues on a week-to-week basis and you know this college football is bananas that's why we love it so much um and it depends on a number of different things all these teams have roadblocks essentially uh, on their way into the playoffs and i feel all these teams are going to have at least one loss or they should obviously if they have if they're undefeated they're they're going to be in so they will all have losses perhaps two losses for some teams and they will all kind of be balanced out then it's just Take your pick. There's a bunch of different things you look at um, when picking these teams. There's the quote-unquote the eye test, whatever that means. There's the strength of schedule. There's uh, conference champion winners, all this different scenarios and different um, attributes, I guess you could say, in assessing these teams and getting in that fourth spot. So we're going to break down potential losses and potential scenarios, in which case um, we're going to break down different scenarios if – where different teams get in, basically. Or who, I guess, the most likely to get in based on these scenarios um, will be. It's year two, and we're still stuttering. Uh, Texas. Let's start with Texas first. Because I feel like amongst these five teams, they might be, quote-unquote, the odds-on favorite to get into the playoff. Uh, I feel like they might lose to Oklahoma once. 
I think they will split the season series with Oklahoma. And here's the thing. I do think they lose the Red River game to Oklahoma. I just get a weird... I have a weird feeling. I, I feel like they, we, they lose that... For, and this is honestly... This is the best case scenario for Texas. Because I don't feel like they're going to run the table and go undefeated all year long. Because in that case, they would be number three. Perhaps maybe even number two in the nation going into the playoff. And then this conversation is over to begin with. Because then you'd have Ohio State number four. And there's no debate. I don't think they go wire to wire undefeated. I do think they drop... One to Oklahoma. And if you're a Texas fan, you should want it to be the Red River game. Even though it's the Texas State Fair and it's one of the most, um, it's one of the best traditions in college football, the Red River game, you should want to lose that first one. And here's why you have to win your conference. It's much more valuable to have Big 12 champion Texas or Big 12 champion in front of your name, Texas, than it is to have Red River champion Texas when being evaluated by the committee because I don't feel like and if you sweep Oklahoma well then you're getting in everyone knows that if you sweep them you beat them twice you're getting in there's no debate the conversation's over again the reason why I say they're going to lose one is well because it makes for better content and two because they probably will they'll probably drop one of two it's much more valuable to go into selection Sunday with a conference championship a one loss conference champion than it is to be a one loss non-conference champion in which case also you got to look at the other shoe the other side of that coin Oklahoma would be a one loss conference champion now even, even though you beat them during the regular season they'd have the conference championship to hold over your head and at that point I think Oklahoma deserves the nod to get into that fourth spot if you're Texas you want you have to win your division excuse me your conference you have to win that conference championship against Oklahoma so I would if Oklahoma loses, I think, excuse me, Texas loses to Oklahoma, ideally the first time around, and then they beat Oklahoma. So that's a one-loss conference champion you're looking at in Texas. Georgia, they're a wild card in this scenario. They're, they're really going to, Georgia and Notre Dame are really going to make things difficult in these scenarios, and you will see why. Uh, Georgia, they're losing to Alabama. They're not beating them. They're going to lose in the conference title. So there's that. They will have at least one loss. And I think Georgia, amongst these five teams, uh, in my estimation, is the least likely to get in. And here's why. They will lose to Alabama. You know it. I know it. Georgia knows it. They will have at least one loss. And that's at the end of the season. Mind you, that's like the kiss of death when going in to Selection Sundays when you lose your last game. And they will have lost their last game to Alabama. And the rest of their schedule is hellacious. These are all top 25 and top 10 teams on Georgia's schedule. They have, excuse me, they have Notre Dame. And they do get them at home, but they get Notre Dame. They have Auburn. They have Texas A&M. And they have Florida. And that's all before they get to Alabama. So you can make an argument, Georgia may not even get to the SEC championship and get the opportunity to lose to Alabama. So I think they are almost, they're, they're out of the scenario. I think we can, we can write them off because of their schedule and because we know they're going to lose to Alabama at the end of the season. You can't really count on Georgia. And again, that's considering two losses. That's considering they only lose to one of those teams, maybe Notre Dame. And they beat Auburn, AM, Florida. They'd have a pretty respectable resume. But again, they would be a two-loss 
non-conference champion. That is almost unheard of. We have already, it's never happened that we've had a two-loss team in the playoff. I think the only chance that a team has to get in with two losses is if they win their conference title. And if you lose your conference title and you have two losses, even with that resume, I I don't see Georgia sneaking in unless all hell breaks loose and Texas lose to LSU. They lose to Oklahoma twice, in which case they'd have three losses, so they'd be out of the equation anyway. um, Maybe Oklahoma drops one of Texas loses to LSU and Oklahoma once. Oklahoma loses to Texas and maybe, I don't know, West Virginia or something like that. Like, it'd have to be, Georgia would need a lot of help. And so I don't think they're getting in. Um, Now on to Michigan. And they are another team that's going to make things extremely difficult. Michigan gets Ohio State, and they get Notre Dame on their schedule. Two monster games. They could very easily lose both. If they split one, we're talking about a different story. Again, I feel personally that Ohio State is going to win the Big, the Big Ten Conference. And in this scenario, having them in um, the top three and having Michigan on the outside looking in, you have to count at least one loss for Michigan. Where things get interesting is what if Michigan loses to Notre Dame? And they have two losses. They lose to Ohio State. They're a non-conference champion. And they lose to Notre Dame. So they have two losses. Um, They're kind of in the Georgia um, tier, right? A two-loss non-conference champion. The difference between, and we're splitting hairs here, between Georgia in this scenario with two losses and Michigan with two losses is that Georgia, if they have two losses, that means they have won the other two marquee again. It means they would have won against uh, any combination of Notre Dame, Auburn, A&M, and Florida, right? So they would have split those, those four games. Michigan does not have another resume game on their schedule of the same caliber as Georgia. They get Penn State, they get Wisconsin, but they're not A&M, Auburn, Florida, right? They're not on that same tier. So I think Michigan would likely be behind um, Georgia. Now, let's just say they beat Notre Dame, but they lose to Ohio State. Now, what the heck do we do? You have a one-loss non-conference champion with a solid, a hell of a resume, just, just beating Notre Dame. Just that one game, that stacks up your resume with just about anybody. That's going to put your resume up against Georgia, especially now let's get to this. This is where things get extremely confusing. So buckle up. What if Georgia, excuse me, I've already confused myself. If Michigan beats Notre Dame and Notre Dame beats Georgia, how do you stack up those three teams, really, because we don't, Notre Dame, really, they have, again, similar to Michigan. Let's kind of, let's throw Notre Dame in here really quick so we can talk about all three. Notre Dame, they get Michigan and Georgia, obviously, and those are their two marquee games. Notre Dame, similar to Michigan, has a workable schedule outside of those two games. So now let's talk about all the, and all three of those teams. What if Notre Dame splits that series as well? And you have three one-loss teams in Michigan, Notre Dame, and Georgia. And they all beat each other. What do you do? You look to Texas. Texas will be the be-all, end-all in this scenario. Should Should the Longhorns beat LSU? And that's just next week. That's right around the corner. If they beat LSU, Texas gets in. Because they will have that resume game. And they will be the only, uh, excuse me, conference champion amongst those three teams 
Notre Dame obviously does not play in a conference they're independent, so they cannot win a conference. Michigan will have lost to Ohio State and not play in the Big Ten title. And Georgia, just for the sake of the argument, let's just say they have one loss. And they get all they lose to Notre Dame and they get all the way to Alabama and then they lose again, which they would have two losses anyway. So scratch they can't have one loss. Um, they will have two losses when it's all said and done. Will Georgia. I told you these things were gonna get confusing. This is the beauty of college football. Texas will be the be-all, end-all in this scenario. Should they beat LSU, lose to Oklahoma in the Red River game, and then beat Oklahoma, avenge their one loss on the season in the conference title, Texas gets in in that fourth seed. Because they'd have a conference championship, they'd have a one-loss team, and they'd have the pedigree. Recently, they just demolished Georgia. I get it. It was last season, but we've seen them play on a big stage. Now, can they beat Clemson? That is yet to have been seen. I cannot answer that question for you. But I think we both agree they'd be respectable against Clemson. That would be a great... Tell me you wouldn't watch that game. Texas, Clemson, I mean, two blue blood college programs. First round of the playoffs. Um, It would be a fantastic game. I would love to see it. I know you would love to see it. Um, Here's the biggest... Here's the chaos scenario. What if Texas loses to LSU? They lose to Oklahoma in the Red River game, but then they win their conference. Now you have a two-loss conference champion against Georgia, who's a two-loss non-conference champion, Michigan, who's a one-loss non-conference champion, and then Notre Dame, who's a one-loss non-conference champion. That is where things truly get bananas. And even still, in that scenario, I might give the slight edge to Texas because they would have a conference championship on their resume they would boast something that again none of those other teams can now here's where things get even more complicated what if texas beats or excuse me loses to lsu they lose or they beat oklahoma that first time around and then they lose to oklahoma in the conference title now you enter oklahoma into the conversation and in, still in that case oklahoma would have one loss at least because we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of their schedule um, and a conference title on their belt. So things get really, really hairy. It all depends on Texas. The Texas Longhorns hold the fate of college football in their hands this season. They really do. I think they have the best chance to get into that fourth spot because they have. It, it's a perfect storm for Texas this year. They have the resume games in Oklahoma and excuse LSU. And they have the workability of their schedule being... They play in the Big 12, and it's really not that competitive outside of the Sooners. Um, they will have an opportunity to win a conference title this season. So if you ask me, who am I going with? Heading into year two of the Crowd Noise podcast, I'm picking the Texas Longhorns to get into that fourth spot in the college football playoff. I'm going at it again. Second time is a charm. It was a year ahead of schedule last year. Probably should have got into the playoff last year. I mean... Not They weren't screwed over by the rankings. They were screwed over by themselves, but they had an opportunity to get into the playoff last year. I think it's all coming together for them this year. There's, it's a perfect storm for Texas to get in. And then think about this. What if they beat Clemson out, out, right out of the gates? If you beat Clemson, who's stopping Texas in that national title? Maybe Alabama, maybe, but Clemson throttled Alabama last year. I mean, it would, it would be in a very exciting college football playoff you get clemson alabama ohio state and texas 
my goodness. I mean, as a college football purist, you got to love that. You got to love those four programs all duking it out for a national title. If it was up to me, if I had to put my money on one program this year, I would say it's going to be Texas to get in the last spot. Because of Sam Mellinger, I really, really like Sam Mellinger. I like the mentality that he brings. I like the mentality that Tom Herman brings to that team. They play, they look a lot like, they look how Texas football should look. If that makes any sense whatsoever. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I think Texas gets in. I think they're able to um, beat LSU. They should be able to beat LSU. Uh, they will split the season series with Oklahoma, um, but ideally they win the conference championship, which would give them the, the one step above those other four programs being Notre Dame, Michigan, um, and Georgia. And I think Georgia, they're, on the, they're the furthest in the pack because they're going to have two losses and no conference title to show for it. I don't, I don't see it happening. Even if, let's say, Texas loses again to LSU, Oklahoma, but they beat Oklahoma the second time around. I think that gives them a step above even Michigan um, and Notre Dame because they'd have a conference title. And it depends on who Notre Dame loses to, whether it's Michigan or Georgia. And it depends on who Michigan loses to if it were to be Notre Dame. And then they'd all beat each other and cancel each other out. I'd still give the edge personally to Texas. And again, we haven't seen any of these teams play. Maybe Texas looks sloppy all year long, but they're able to win the conference because the Big 12 is terrible. Then we're talking about a different conversation. We have That's yet to be seen. I'm assuming Texas is going to play really well and be dominant in that conference and then win their conference championship. If they're sloppy and they play slow in a lot of big games or they play really close games against teams they should blow out, well, then we're talking about something different. And maybe Notre Dame has one ugly... Maybe they lose to USC, I don't know, and they beat Notre Dame... Or excuse me, Notre Dame... Loses to USC and they beat Michigan. Um, they have a one ugly loss, but they handle Michigan. No conference title. Well, then we're having a different conversation here. Um, I don't anticipate that happening. So, of course, that's probably exactly what's going to happen because in college football, nobody knows anything. Um, but I, if I had to put my money on my own program, it would be the Texas Longhorns. So now that we have our college football playoff. We have our, our top four teams. We have Clemson number one, Alabama, Ohio State, and Texas. And I feel personally the first two teams that will be out are Michigan, excuse me, Notre Dame, and then Michigan, and then Georgia will be uh, number seven, and Oklahoma will likely be, or I think Oklahoma will be seven and Georgia will be eight. I think those that's your top eight. Those are the teams that are looking out. I think Notre Dame will be the first team out and then Michigan in that order. Those would be the first two teams out. Um, so now that we have those four teams, who the heck wins? You have Texas and Clemson for that first round, the one and four game, and then you have Ohio State and Alabama for that two and three. Um, I'm going to pick the Alabama and Ohio State game first because I actually think that one is a little bit easier to pick. Alabama is on a mission this year. They were embarrassed, embarrassed, Embarrassed on national television by the Clemson Tigers on the national champion. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. And so it made Clemson look like just head and shoulders better than any other program in the country. And I do think they were better than Alabama because you wouldn't have beat them that bad if you weren't. But I don't think it was that wide of a margin as what the scoreboard alluded to. And I think Alabama feels like they're better than Clemson. And they were better than Clemson last year. They're not losing to Ohio State in that first round. I can tell you that right now. 
And they also get the benefit of there's no Urban Meyer. Now, even though I've said, or I said last week, I don't think that will have lasting consequences in Ohio State winning the conference. That makes a big difference when you're going up against Alabama and Nick Saban, one of the greatest college coaches, if not the greatest of all time. And I do think Alabama should handle Ohio State in that first round semi-comfortably. They should be able to get past them and get into that national title without much pain. So there's that. I think Alabama gets in the national title. Now on to the other side of the bracket. All in on Texas again this year, clearly. Picking them to win the Big 12. Picking them to get into the college football playoff over the likes of Michigan, Georgia, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. Um, But they do run into a buzzsaw in the Clemson Tigers. Watch Clemson last night. Uh, they played Georgia Tech on the ACC Network. Uh, it was a good game. It was a fun game. They had some big plays, had some turnovers. They weren't necessarily as sharp as what you may expect from the reigning national champions. But again, week one in college doesn't have preseason, so there's no tune-up games. Trevor Lawrence wasn't particularly um, sharp throwing the ball. They had him running a lot. Trevor Lawrence was running the ball a lot last night, which raised some concerns because I feel like that they can't run him into the ground over the course of the season. Otherwise, they will get popped in that first round by Texas because that just takes a toll on you. right? I don't, and you don't want to put Trevor Lawrence in those scenarios where he can get hurt. That is the last thing you need if you're Clemson. That is the absolute worst case scenario possible is Trevor Lawrence hurts himself scrambling or going on a QB draw or something like that. You don't want to, you want to utilize his legs, but let's be smart about it. Okay. Let's not throw him into the fire and put him in dangerous situations uh, that he doesn't need to be in. But I will give him the benefit of the doubt last night. They were playing Georgia Tech first game of the season. Maybe they wanted to kind of ease him into the season. Maybe they wanted to get his conditioning right. I don't know. Maybe Trevor Lawrence hasn't showed up to um, uh, spring ball all, all off season and he's out of shape. And so they wanted to They wanted to run him a lot and get him in shape. I have no idea. That's just me spitballing here. Um, They are on a mission, as is Alabama, to create their own dynasty. They now have the opportunity to step out of the Alabama shadow and cast their own shadow onto the rest of college football. And again, they would be the first team since Pete Carroll's USC team to go wire to wire, number one to number one, and win a national title. No one has done it since 2003, 2004. Long time ago. Doesn't sound like that long ago, but we're in 2019. And you're talking about 2003. It's 16 years ago. It's a long time ago. So Clemson would be the first team since then to do it. And I, I get the sense that they want to see Alabama again. They want to make it, they want to let it be known. Last year was not a fluke, which it wasn't. But there are some people in the South who feel like it was. They want to let it be known it was not a fluke. They are now the premier program in college football. I like Texas a lot. I think it will be, I think that will be the best game of the postseason in college football, Clemson and Texas. I think that would actually be better than the national championship game. Not that we're getting another blowout, but I just think that game will be so dynamic. The national championship game won't be able to live up to what uh, we saw two weeks prior or however long the playoff games were before the national championship game. I think it'll be a very close game. I think it'll be a very physical game. I like Sam Ellinger a lot, but again, 
Clemson has Trevor Lawrence, and no one else does. And I just think that will put them over the top. I do like Clemson to beat Texas. And I think I'm talking like a field goal win. I think it'll be that close. And in that case, really, Texas can win that game. If they're that close, you can make Texas can win that game. I think Clemson will win it. I don't think Texas will, but I think Clemson will win it. It'll be very, very close. So we get part five now. Clemson, Alabama, the national title. Is ruining college football. It's bad. These two teams are, are too dominant. More teams need to be in the playoffs. Look, I've never disagreed with anything more than that. I've said it, I said it last year when they played the national title. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again right now. The goal of the playoff and the goal of the national title is to get the two best teams in the country to play against each other. And if it's the same two programs, it's not the fault of the programs for being so dominant. It's the fault of everyone else for not catching up. Why would we want mediocrity? Why would we want more teams in the playoff who we know aren't going to win? Why not just have the two best teams in the country play against each other? It's not a problem that they've met. This would have been the fifth straight year in a row. It's because they're so dominant. They're so consistently dominant as well. I think it's a good thing for college football that we have these two juggernaut dynasties going up against each other. These two titan programs. I think it's great. And I can't wait. This year would be, I mean, the ultimate one. Because you get Tua coming back on his revenge tour. You get Clemson, who is now, looks like they're the number one, the top dog in college football. Um, looks like they're kind of taking over for Alabama. Alabama's trying to reclaim their throne. This would be phenomenal. This would be Lakers-Celtics. But in college football, for the fifth time on a national championship stage, it'd be phenomenal. So who wins this game? I like Clemson to win the national championship again. Played Georgia last night. Georgia Tech, excuse me. Again, Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets, are not world beaters. But Clemson looked pretty solid and that's still with me saying they weren't as sharp as it could have been and they were dominant last night and Alabama is not going to see anyone on their schedule um really their schedule while Clemson and Alabama both have particularly weak schedules when you play NMSU a week after you play Duke your schedule is a little bit worse than anyone Clemson's going to be playing so I don't think that Alabama is going to have nearly the tests that even Clemson's going to face. And I don't think their schedule's very strong. And just them having Trevor Lawrence, look, he gashed them last year. It wasn't like Clemson had a last-second victory a la Deshaun Watson where, well, it could have gone either way. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close last year. So what leads me to believe now that Alabama's going to shift the entire tide, uh, no pun intended, and win the national title this year? Will they be better? They should be. They have a much better receiving core than last year. They're more experienced than last year. Obviously, Tua Togobailoa is motivated. Alabama has a chip on their shoulder. And Clemson doesn't. I love those teams that are the best and they know. It's why I love Duke basketball so much, even though I wasn't really on, I, I wasn't on their bandwagon this year. But the tradition of Duke basketball. I love USC football, their tradition. I love those programs that are the best and they know it. They're cocky. They don't need a chip on their shoulder. They have that mentality that you, you're lucky to play us. 
I love those programs. And that's Clemson now. They have the moxie. They have the charisma. You can see it just the way they walk into the building. They're the best team. They're not going to lose, and they know it. They give off that presence that everyone else should be looking up at us. Why do we have a chip? We shouldn't have a chip on, their, on our shoulder. And so for Alabama, that's what Alabama used to have. And then they got spanked on national television. And now they're talking about it's our revenge tour. We got a chip on our shoulder. We're going to prove everyone wrong. It's Clemson's time now. Okay, this is, this is where dynasties start. When they have that mentality that they're the best and no one else can touch them. And Clemson just reeks of that confidence. And mostly it comes off because of Trevor Lawrence because he's so great. We all hail Trevor Lawrence as we should. He's great. He's fantastic. Heisman Trophy favorite to start the preseason. And I think he's going to be the difference in this college football season. I think Clemson repeats as national champions. I think they're the first team since Pete Carroll to go wire to wire. And then we're talking about a three-peat next season. And so that's going to take us to the end of this week's episode. I was going to say the end of our first year, which technically it does. This is both the beginning of year two and the end of year one. And it was a fun year. And in honor of our one-year anniversary, we're going to forego the quote of the week. Because the quote of the week was not since, I don't think we had that since week one. I think that was kind of added later in the show. So we want to honor our very first episode by not having a quote of the week. And also, I, was just, I just couldn't find one. So, but we're going to spin it to where like, we're honoring our first episode. So it doesn't sound like I'm as lazy as I am. Um, so that's going to take us to the end of our episode. We're looking on to year two. It was a fun year one. We're looking for year two to be twice as fun moving forward. I can't. I'm glad I'm finally able to say this too. Enjoy the games this weekend. Tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon, college football is back. Officially, we get great games. Alabama Duke, while I've been trashing all, all day long, I can't wait to watch Alabama. Okay. USC Fresno State, uh, Pac 12 after dark. You get Oregon. And Auburn on a neutral field. How fun is that? Next week, you get Texas LSU. Next week, you get NFL football, which we're going to have a fantastic show for that as well. Can't wait for next week. So with that in mind, I will talk to you next week and enjoy the games.